You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway, an attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Welcome to Break a Bat. I'm your host, Al Malafrante. Alongside me are my buddies, Chris Katzman, our chief creative consultant, and of course, my producer and the Duke of New York, Mr. Alan Seals. Great to be with you guys. <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> we really have a special one in store for you tonight. I got to tell you, every once in a while, uh, someone comes to the batter's box and they need no introduction. We've had that a few times here on Break a Bat. Um, but since this show has often prided itself on over-the-top and grand introductions, I think we're just going to have to do one anyway. Um, because our special guest tonight is probably one of my favorite players to ever take the field on Broadway. Uh, in addition to all the incredible things that she's accomplished on stage, which includes originating the role of Amber Von Tussle in the Tony-winning Hairspray, as well as Elle Woods in Legally Blonde the Musical, for which she herself earned a well-deserved Tony nomination for Best Leading Actress. Uh, she's about as well-rounded a performer as you're going to find in the industry. And uh, she's also authored an epic career in the recording studio and on TV as well. One of the game's true all-stars and one of the cool folks here on Broadway. Uh, with that being said, if you'll please turn your attention to home plate, just beyond the marquee, now batting, Laura Bell Bundy. How are you, Laura Woo! Bell? Crowd's, crowd's loving it. Hey, guys. <laughs> Thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me here. And by here, I mean home. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Out in the comforts of California. Lucky you. How long have you been in California? Oh, uh, I think. Probably seven years now. I lived in Nashville uh, after I lived in New York. So uh, I lived in Nashville for about four or five years. That's right. You were a country. And then I came here. You were a country star for a little while. <laughs> I, I always sang country music growing up and uh, had a had an awesome opportunity to, to live in Nashville and write and record there and... Um, and it's truly been uh, a, a very important part of my creative uh, hmm, development. And, and you're uh, a Kentucky native, is that right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, okay. I, I am. 
I'm from Lexington, and we do not have professional baseball teams in Kentucky, even though we have the oh, Louisville yeah, Slugger. Right. So, but so, do you root for a particular professional team down there? Well, when I was growing up, I I mm. would root for the Reds. The Reds were the first baseball team I ever went to see. And then because I started going to New York as a kid, I actually started following the New York teams uh, and I became a Yankees fan. And uh, but but I will say this when I was doing I was a child actor and I was doing a show downtown in the village um, called Ruthless. And I would get home every night. It was 11 o'clock and I was still like buzzing from my show. And I would like eat a little snack and I would sit in bed and I would watch the West Coast. Like when the when the Mets and the Yankees were playing on the West Coast and the feed was mm-hmm. really late. I would watch those yep. games if all very familiar with that process. That's what I <laughs> um, so. I became, I think I'm definitely follow New York baseball way, way more. And definitely the Yankees, they're my team and my husband's team. Cool. Well, I know Al's going to be really happy to hear that. Is that right, Heck yeah. I absolutely love to hear that. I was going to ask, is your affiliation to, you know, the Reds fandom, you know, how did that play with Charlie Sheehan when you were doing anger management? Because I know he was a big Cincinnati Reds fan. Oh my gosh. So well, he couldn't believe it. And was like constantly wanting to talk to my family about it. My grandfather, um, well, my mom was born in Cincinnati and my grandfather was a radio DJ in Cincinnati. And my grandma, my grandpa, they loved the Reds. And my grandma, even until she was, she was 89 years old when she passed away and she would still just sit at the screen uh, yelling and watch the game. She loved it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that was definitely a point of connection for Charlie and I. Um, he was, I mean, he would, he'd be like running late to set cause he was sitting in his trailer watching the game. <laughs> <laughs> now, Laura, I didn't know you came from a line of entertainers. That was something that you said, you mentioned that your grandma was in the business as well. No, my grandfather, he was a radio DJ. Um, well, he started out in radio in Maysville, Kentucky, and he, he actually trained Nick Clooney, who is Rosemary Clooney and George Clooney's father in radio, gave him his first job in radio. And then together they actually went to Cincinnati and they worked, um, I don't remember the name of this, the station, but they, they worked there together for a number of years. And then my grandfather got an opportunity to be an on-air broadcaster. And so he went to Kentucky that was in Lexington, Kentucky. And that was during the time when you kind of had to do everything uh when you were uh doing news you had to you had to do you had to write the news you had to do the news you had to film the news you had to edit the news you had to do the sports you had to do the weather you had to do the afternoon show so that was my 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 grandfather and he was um a really talented guy and and he um he was a great singer too and uh he kind of sounded like Bing Crosby um or a little bit Frank Sinatra but mostly Bing Crosby and um and he also, he had this show uh, with uh, Adolph Rupp, who was the longtime coach of the University of Kentucky Wildcats that he did. Uh, the, nice. And uh, and he had, you know, he, he had some acclaim and he had a, a sign off to his radio show, which was be good sports fans. Oh, I love that. That is such, that's such a good signature it's, line. 
I know it was pretty good. My grandmother actually came up with it, not my grandfather, but he got a horse. Now, Laurel, obviously the talent runs in the family, and you know, speaking about doing everything, uh, like I alluded in the intro, you're probably one of the most unique hitters that we've had on the show because you have such a wide range of experience on stage, on screen, in the recording studio. These days, what do you find you enjoy the most? Well, it's actually I've actually started. Uh, writing quite a bit more and producing and directing. And, and for the last few years, that's been the majority of my bread and butter, believe it or not. Um, I, I love, I love doing all of it. I really love doing all of it. I think my favorite thing is to just tell stories with music. And so whether that's being an actress, doing that on a Broadway stage or doing that as a songwriter, writing a song, um, singer singing the song or the director directing the music video, um, either either way, I, I really love that. I love the movement of that. I love the color of that. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's what I do really. Um, and, and I'm an idea person. So I like to, I like to be working on something that I can just have a free flow of ideas. And sometimes that's, uh, that's being a writer or director. And sometimes that's actually being an actor. So it just depends. Um, I don't, I, I, I like the freedom to bounce in between. Very cool. Yeah. It sounds like you really, um, I uh, just think of it as a creative outlet. That's what I'm getting here. Yeah, it's all connected. Yeah. It really is. Um, I mean, you can't really show up to a, a day in rehearsal and not be prepared to provide um, a, a new take or an idea and allow yourself to just be a channel for those ideas. And the same thing is when you show up in the recording studio and, and you're writing a song um, or on set. It's all kind of, it's a slightly different process, but it's all kind of the same thing. Um, and I love it. I will say this, that there is really no medium like the live medium. And there is no feeling that, that you can replicate that is like the feeling you get when you're performing live, whether that's doing a concert or whether that's on stage as a character uh, doing a, a Broadway musical or a play. There's just nothing like it. That's unbelievable. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, and you know what I think is so cool is you mentioned earlier, you got your start at such a young age. Um, you know, I know that you had, uh, I guess you started off as a pageant kid and made your way to New York City at a super young age. You were in the Christmas Spectacular. You had done an off-Broadway show. How much do you think that helped you, you know, for the career that you've had since? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> it's, 
I was six years old. I no, I was five years old. The first time I ever went to New York City, and I was like, I looked like John Bonet. I was like a gay man trapped in the body of John <laughs> Bonet. And New York City was like 1988 New York City. You guys know what that was like, grimy as hell. Like just, it was pre-Giuliani, you know, triple X theaters everywhere, hookers on the street, rats running over your feet. It it was wild, right? And I'm this like little girl from Kentucky, like why did what? So I learned really quickly and I was very resourceful Um So I don't know whether that's necessarily helped me in my career as much as it's like helped me in life to be uh, to be used to change and adjust quickly and like keep it just keep an open mind about everything and and see the beautiful and the ugly. And, you know, so in that way, that's helped. But, you know, in terms of the career, I think. Um, I think that's why I'm moving to the other side of the camera a little bit and behind the scenes because I've been on the stage for so long and I've been watching uh, all these creatives and directors and writers kind of do what they do. Most of the, the shows that I've been involved with, I've been involved with from the ground up and in the in the reading process and the workshop process and seeing how the musical is being weaved together. And um, I love that part. I like being a part of that. And I, that's, that's, that I believe is because I have been doing that since I was a young uh, child. Um, that's what I believe I offer uh, a musical. The best is, is the, is the beginning. If you're, if you're creating it on there to like, be your channel and you can move me and I'd like to come up with ideas, you know? So in that way, I think it's given me the confidence to speak up as an actor and offer ideas because I've, I've watched other actors do it and I've, I've seen directors ask for it. And um, so, yeah, it served me. I think it's made, it's made me feel like the stage is my home. It's my comfort zone. You know, when you start doing something, whatever you do as a child uh, you grow up and you and you go back to that place for comfort. So for me, it's kind of the stage is that like place of like, ah, uh, here I am, you know. It's like Absolutely. you find solace. It's amazing. Yeah, there is. A, there's. It's very meditational for me. Like very. Like there's no place for me that I'm more present than on a stage. And so there is something like when you're going, going, going in life, and you're always thinking two step steps ahead. But when you're like in the moment of doing a live musical where literally anything can happen, you better be awake. No, that's very interesting. We've heard some, some differing, we, we've heard kind of a couple schools of thought on that actually. And you definitely fall into one of them, like being in the zone. That is something that a lot of baseball players mention as well, being out there in the zone and locked in and laser focused. But you also have a subset of performers, I think both on the diamond and on the stage um, who are just professionals and who are pretty much strictly focusing on getting their job done. But, uh, you know, really, we, there, are so, there are some folks that we've spoken to and some baseball players who just are so good at what they do that they just, it's just like repetition for them. But it, you know, I think that probably doesn't, um, that probably makes more sense for someone who's not as you are, maybe, um, because um, I know it takes probably a lot of focus and creative energy for you out there as someone who's gone from, uh, you know, basically done every sort of acting and, and is now a, a writer. Um, and I actually wanted to ask you about. So I guess, you know, my philosophy is that uh, my philosophy is that you've never arrived as an actor. 
uh, as a creative, as a performer, because you're constantly changing. And so there's always something to learn from every piece of work you do, from every performance you do, um, every rehearsal, everything. There's always something to learn. And I guess you would say that the same thing is there's something to learn from every game you play. So if you look at it like that, it's like, yes, it's repetition. But with that same repetition, you get closer and closer to figuring out the best way to throw, the best way to hit, the best way to run, right. the best way to what this guy's got my eye at this time. It's the same thing as when you're on stage is like, I've repeated this line this way so many nights, but it's not landing. It's not getting the joke. Oh my God. If I just make this one yeah. shift in my inflection, I get the laugh. If I just make this one shift in my body, I can hit that ball. It's just it's just the same. It's like we're we're working on a level where at that point you're 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 already good. So what's going to be the thing that's going to make you great? And that really is paying attention um and allowing, you know, paying attention to it's 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 math, but it's also but it's also being inspired and allowing yourself to be spot inspired by remaining open and knowing that there's something to learn. And I and and that is the zone. Yeah. Like that is the, See, this sort of attitude tends to like, separate the Hall of Fame Hall of Famers from the rest, I think. Because like you said, you're already good. You know, you're up there, you're you're in the, the big leagues, you're on the big stage. It's the real deal. And then what's where do you get that extra level, right? That's that's where the the constant need to improve comes in. Um we've seen baseball players like Tony Gwynn who would go home and every night watch a video with themselves, just obsessively, obsessively critiquing their own craft. Um um, you know, saying, oh, if I if I change this one little piece of my mechanics, then I know I'll be able to, to hit that ball in the outside corner of the plate. And typically you find that set, that set of folks represented um, in the all time grades a lot at a much higher rate than people who take a different attitude. So, um, look, sounds to me with in my baseball experience that like you are really, really working up there at uh, a very high and, and I want to say elite level. So kudos to you for that. Well, I thank you. I've had a lot of time to figure out that I didn't know what I was doing when I first came out to play. <laughs> now sure. you made your, your I guess, to, I, I know you did some off-Broadway, but your rookie season was spent on the Hairspray team, which is as an iconic of a team. It's like the equivalent of like the 98 Yankees in the baseball world. It's like as big a juggernaut as you're going to get. What do you remember about that experience? I, it was amazing. It couldn't, I knew at the time we were doing this musical. I had began, I, I've started the, the, the development process with Hairspray. I was 19 years old and, um, And I did the first reading when we only had one act. And I knew when I heard that music, I was like, oh my gosh. And also I loved the movie Hairspray with Ricky Lake. I loved that movie. And my favorite character was Amber Von Tussle. So when I went into audition, I was like, oh my God, this was my favorite movie. I watched this every single day when I was eight. I don't know why my mother let me watch John Waters, but I was obsessed with this. And I loved Amber Von Tussle. This show, I there's an energy to this show. This show was very, very special, and I knew at the time, I like I'm starting, I'm I'm starting at the top. It's only going to get worse from here. I know this mm. is a special experience, and every single other cast member that I have worked with 
on that show. We all knew that feeling. We were young. A lot of it, it was our first Broadway show. But we'll never forget that feeling of being part of something that like literally took over New York. And but it was but we were so like uh, we were appreciative. We never let it go to our heads. And, you know, I'm still very close with Marissa Winoker and Carrie Butler and Matt Morrison, Corey Reynolds, Linda Hart, I, Harvey. We are all very close of the cast, Shoshana Bean, all all of us, like literally texting them today. We are still tomorrow. I'm going to go pick up an antibodies test for Marissa to take because she thinks she had Corona. Like we are each other's family. We call ourselves a hairspray family. So, and I think of it kind of like college because I was, you know, I was, uh, well, I was a virgin when I started the show and I wasn't when I left. (laughs) Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, when you did Legally Blonde, for example, that was really one of the first big comedies, at least from my generation, that they turned into a musical where you kind of like... Mm-hmm double take almost in disbelief that this is going to be on Broadway. Now it's just commonplace, whether it's Mean Girls or Beetlejuice or Bring It On. Um, Obviously some stuff works a little bit better than others, but maybe some of that trend never happens if it wasn't for what you did back in 07 and 08 with Legally Blonde. Well, you know, Hairspray was a movie too. Um, And I know that they, they did Cry Baby. They did a couple of of things, not all of them were incredibly well received. You know, the producers was also a film first, so that we got into um, we got into quite a role for a while. Um, what was the uh, Oh Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, where really almost every single musical was based on a film and and or a catalog of music. But I, I will say it, it, having been involved in two musicals that were based on films. Um, you know, it's nice, it's nice to have uh, a framework for your character. It's nice to have, um, a frame of reference, but it's, it can also be crippling, you know, and and paralyzing if you, if you try to do what that person did in the film, you have to make it your own. So, um, you know, that's, that's what I think we all tried to do and, and make it original as possible. When you look back at Legally Blonde, let's say if Hairspray was putting you on the map, Legally Blonde is what made you like a true all-star. Do you have any special stories or memories about how the whole process happens, about how you get cast as Elle Woods, which is probably, I guess, you know, for any 90s child, like a a dream role, you know, when you look back and, you know, think about that movie. Uh, Do you have a lot of fond memories of uh, Legally Blonde? 
Oh yeah. I mean, I have great memories and I, I, I kind of, I grew up, uh, I, I always feel like the, you know, I went from a girl to a woman in the process of that show. And, um, and I evolved a lot as an actress, a lot. Um, and being a part of that journey with Jerry Mitchell, especially who was a first time director who had done a ton of choreography and practically directed a bunch of things. Um, this was his opportunity and it was also my opportunity. So there was this sort of codependent relationship that we had. Like he had this big vision to, uh, like, I see this, I see that. And I want you here. And you say this, like, if you could say this, but then I wanted to go here. And so he worked kind of like from the pictures, like from the outside in, he could paint the picture and tell me the vision he wanted to see. And I worked from the inside out. So I had to feel it first and then get to the place that he wanted me to be at on the stage. So we were really nice. We had a really great relationship in that way. Um, and we had worked together in Hairspray. So he choreographed Hairspray. Um, and I told this story on the uh, reunion that we did, the Legally Blonde reunion. But um, Jerry had come to see me uh, in Wicked when I was standing by for Kristen Chenoweth. And when I found out that he was... Uh, directing Legally Blonde, the musical, uh, I, and it was his directorial debut. There was like an announcement about it. I sent him a congratulations because I he, I always thought he would make a, a great director. And I said, you know, you deserve this. And I know someone who would make a great Elle Woods, wink, wink. <laughs> and he said, honey, why do you think I came to see you in Wicked? I wanted to see if you could carry a show. So, uh, and then he said, I'll bring you in front of the creative team. And then a few, it was like two years later, literally, um, I, I came to audition for the reading of the first, I guess, official reading of the entire book of Legally Blonde, which was a 29 hour reading that was like basically a table read where we sang the songs and we went over all the work and it was just for the creative team. And it was a lot of pressure because I just had a feeling when I, when Okay, when I auditioned for this material and I was given this material, which was three songs and 12 pages of lines, which is a lot to give somebody 48 hours before an audition. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was like, it was a lot of material, but I, I actually memorized it fairly quickly because it was so natural to me. I felt so connected to this character. I, I knew what her voice was. I knew what her heart was. I... It, I am that person. Like I'm a, I'm like not even cautiously optimistic. I'm a very optimistic person. And I, I really do try to think the best of people. And I saw some similarities between Elle Woods and how I was raised as like, like a Southern girl. And it made a lot of sense, like fitting in this puzzle piece because Reese Witherspoon was also from the South. She was from Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm from Lexington, Kentucky. And there's a lot of similarities about those places and the way that you talk to people and you treat people, you kill them with kindness. Right. And well, bless your little heart. You know, there's like a very similar She And I, you know, even though she was the Southern sorority, you know, even though she was the Los Angeles UCLA sorority girl, she really was the Southern sorority girl, the way that both Reese and I, um, kind of had her essence. So I, I'm very much connected. And, um, and then I began doing, I did two readings and a workshop before I even know that this part was going to be officially mine. And so every like 
week long or six week long workshop we did, um, it was still an audition for me, but I, I didn't approach it like that. I just sort of dove in and, um, it, it was, it was a dream come true. And it was one of those experiences. And I, I, I don't know if you've experienced this in your life, but I've had a few of them in my life when everything aligns and you just get a feeling that you're in the right place and you're doing the thing you were meant to do and that it was going to happen that way. And I just had that feeling about Legally Blonde and that part. I just knew it. It was just a, it was, it was almost weird. And next thing you know, you're on billboards in New York city and you get a Tony nomination. It's like you cement yourself as part of the fabric of the great white way in such a short period of time. When you think about it, because I guess hairspray was Oh two and this was Oh seven. I mean, that's, I mean, what a graduate program. But I have been pounding the pavement. I have been doing theater in New York since I was nine years wow. old. You know, I mean, at some point it's like, I think people like, it's never, there's never an overnight sensation. It was always a slow climb. And, and, and I, and I appreciate those slow climbs because I, I don't think, I don't necessarily think it always serves you uh, to be an overnight sensation because you're not prepared for it. You go, God forbid you get an opportunity before you're prepared for it. And then you make a yeah. fool of yourself, you know, better that you learn your lessons along the way. And you've got, and you continue to go to your lessons and you learn from other actors and directors and, and you struggle so you can appreciate it. That's amazing. You know, you, and obviously, you know, thereafter you went on to do a lot of television and I feel like that's a, you know, I alluded to what you did in anger management earlier, how I met your mother. These are, this isn't just television work. These are some pretty successful TV shows. Um, and I feel like that's how a lot of people have gotten to know you in addition to what you've done in the music scene As as great as the TV life is at this point, what would it take to get Laura Bell Bundy back to Broadway? The quarantine could be over. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so we just got to wait just a, a little bit, hopefully, and, and we'll see you back on Broadway. Is that what we're, is that, uh, what we're getting excited about now here? Well, it's funny. My, hu- my husband is from New Jersey, um, and his uh, much of his family is there. And, um, and my family's in Kentucky. They're East Coast. I miss New York. I miss my friends. And we have, you know, we, we've been having the conversation of like, do we, do we move back for a while? And does it, um, does it allow us to be with family? Does it, and does it allow me to just be closer to New York to be able to develop things? You know, it's harder when you're out in Los Angeles where people aren't going to call you to come and do the table read of whatever is the next thing that they're working on. Um, and so, I, of course, I've been way more focused on, on the development of television and film and and music and stuff out here. But I I absolutely love it. I miss it, and um, and I and I definitely think I'm due to develop something that's that's the right thing. Sometimes things have come in and and but well, like honeymooners, I did and it didn't go. Um, and sometimes it's just not the right character, not the right fit for me at the time. But I would love to do another new musical uh, as I, as much as I, um, I like doing musicals that 
revival would be cool. But um, as much as I like plugging in, you know, I, I like playing a character regardless and finding things. I I like uh, I like creating it better. That's 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 so are you my. Talking wheelhouse. about writing a musical? No, no, I'm talking about okay, creating okay. the character. But I, I, but I am actually. So I'm doing a podcast right. here too, uh, for Broadway Podcast Network. And uh, it's based on an album that I've been developing called Women of Tomorrow. And every song deals with uh, an issue women are facing today. And so I am actually um, working on that. That's not necessarily a narrative musical that tells like a story from beginning, middle to end, but more of like a vagina monologues kind of a a show where... uh, the five different women express their, you know, talk about their experiences of being a woman and talk about these issues, but we do it in musical form. So that I am actually writing that. Um, and that would just be a hoot. If like the next thing I did on Broadway, I wasn't actually in, I was just <laughs> writing it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, either way, that'd be great. Uh, maybe I'll. Do you both. have a natural flair for comedy. Would it be a little bit comedic? You think? Because I feel like that just suit. That's that's Laura Bell Bundy. Oh, like, definitely. Definitely, it would be uh, this particular thing would be a little bit satirical and and uh, and you know political and, and and all that special stuff. But uh, so I, you know, yeah, hopefully funny and poignant is what is what we can do. But I love musical comedy. I love it so much, but I also find that I'm actually able to express my emotions far more in song than I am without song. Uh, so I, I like the dramatic elements as well, I guess. Sometimes I like, there were songs in Legally Blonde that sometimes that, that would choke me up. I couldn't even get through the song. Wow. Which were the ones that, you know, made you choke up? Well, like at the end of So Much Better, or there were moments in So Much Better, like, hey, mom, look at my name up on that list. You know, that sometimes would choke me up. Um, sometimes at uh, Take It Like a Man, there was a um, there was a time when I was saying to to Emmett, um, when he says, I'm, I'm, oh, you look like Warner. Yeah, but I'm just me. And then, but that's the best best part the outside is new but now it reflects what's already in you and sometimes i would get emotional during that part and then i always would get emotional um in the legally blonde ballad after the you know the l was hit on and then has to say goodbye to emmett and so it's interesting and actually i cr- i cried all through that show every night because l goes through these emotional uh, ups and downs. She gets dumped by Warner Huntington the third. Then she can't come out of her uh, bedroom, and she's eating Snickers. And um, and and when she talks, love. You ever been in love? I mean, all of that is um, is emotional. That was a very, very emotional, vulnerable character. Even though it was supposed to be funny, like this shit didn't work unless I I actually like lived in the place of the the truthful, honest emotion uh, that you wouldn't laugh unless I did. You really, I mean, I look back at that as one of the best performances that I've seen on Broadway in, what, the past 15 years or so. It's pretty incredible. (laughs) 
it's the bottom of the ninth, everybody. And um, we're going to do some a little bit more rapid fire questions. Um, these ones, oh, God. these ones, we're just going to bring the heat a little bit more than we did earlier. All right. So picture uh, you might have someone uh, like Araldis Chapman, perhaps throwing 105 mile per hour fastballs down the pipe. So you ready? No. <laughs> Batter up. Let, okay. let me get my gear on. <laughs> Something about Laura uh, Bell Bunny that would surprise people the most. That I considered going to school for Eastern medicine and acupuncture when I was 20 years old. And I'm obsessed with it to this day. Cool. Yeah. And that's how I treated myself for coronavirus. I love that stuff, actually. Some naturopathic medicine, you know, there's lots of wisdom out there. All right. All right. Here we go. I want the wind up. And what's your most embarrassing onstage oh, moment? Ooh. Oh, I once bend and snap so hard my wig fell off. Wow. Wait, which show was that in? <laughs> I don't know. Show 325. I... I, I literally bent and snapped and the wig flew off and I'm standing there in a wig cap and, you know, in a wig cap, you look bald. And I just heard the audience go, <gasps> just like a collective gap. And I was like, how did you play I, that off? Well, I stood there and every, every, it was, it was the three Delta new girls and Orfe, who was playing Paulette there, and we were all started, couldn't stop laughing. We were shaking. And I looked at the audience and I broke the fourth wall and I said, I want to thank y'all for coming to see Legally Bald. <laughs> and, they, and they just, you know, of course they were rolling. And I was like, Hey, Paulette, you want to help me put my hair back on? Um, like, oh, sit in my chair. And then all the girls took out like bobby pins and hair pins and helped me put my wig back on. But when they put it back on, they put the back in the front and the front in the back. And so it like laid, you know, it would, it would look like cousin it, you know, all the hair <laughs> was in front and I had pins sticking out and it still wasn't really staying on my head. And then. We had the entire number of Ben and Snap to do with this wig that was half on my head, but over my eyes, and I couldn't see. And then every time I bent down to bend to the ground, I had to hold the wig on my head, and the audience would laugh every time I did a Ben and Snap. It was the, and we were laughing too. Like, I think I peed a little. It was, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I soiled myself. <laughs> as well as lost my wig, but it was, that was definitely one of the most embarrassing things. One, one, you know, another time that we, we shall not go into, but uh, I had to fart once and I thought I was going to shard. And that was awful. I, I think you talked about that last night on the, yeah. the, 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 night, the live night stream. That I had the yeah. runs was awful. So this is a great time <laughs> for me to drop my internet and come back in. And I'm just hearing, Starting and all sorts of things. I'm assuming we're still on the most embarrassing onstage moment, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, sometimes you you don't all know right. that certain meals you shouldn't have before you do a show. You mm. know, you think you know vegetable soup. You think that'd be fine, but sometimes too much roughage. That's something that comes with experience. Definitely. That will never happen again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the... the uh, 
I'm going to switch it up here a little bit. What's your favorite late night snack after a two show day? You get home, it's after midnight. What do you grab before you? Lay's potato chips. Classic. And they are Boom. classic. That's the one I like. Heck yeah, I love that. That was a All good right. question to follow up after after the previous uh, answer to. Uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, Laura Bell, you are you are just crushing the ball right now. I think we've got just one last one for you to cap it off. Okay. And we use this one to wrap every show. Uh, and I think you're as fitting as anyone to answer this because I can only imagine how well it served you. What's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you and what was it? Ooh, probably my father. My father always told me that ask is the most powerful three-letter word. Mm. So just ask, ask when you want to figure it's something not, out. It's not sex. It's ask. Yeah. So, and it's, so I, so here's the thing. If you want something, you ask for it. We're all really afraid to ask. Yep. We're all actually really afraid to ask how other people feel, to ask how, what we've said, if that bothers people. Sometimes we just don't want to know the answer. So we don't ask. We're not direct. We're like circuitous in trying to get the things we want. Just ask. You, you know, the worst thing you're going to hear is no, but at least you've got clarity for God's sake. Yep. Wow. I love that. It's that might have been my favorite like, answer to that do, question. Like, do you like me? Do you want to marry me? I'm eh, not so sure. Well, then I'll stop dating you. It's exactly. been five years. Yeah. Time. Just there's a new piece of information. I can reevaluate, reassess, keep moving. That 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 metaphor was oddly specific, <laughs> but we can no, skip it's that. Funny. My husband and I we dated for five years before we got engaged, and I was the one that was the commitment phobe. Um, and I think what happens is when you say, "Well, do you? Well, do you want to get married? Do you want to marry me?" Then it it at least it opens up the conversation as opposed to sort of like kind of trying to feel around and get hints. I'm in this place in my life right now where clarity is the thing that I want. I want clear agreements with people. I don't want this like, well, maybe I don't really know how they feel. I'm just going to ask you. And then if you don't know, you can tell me. Yeah. Like, but I, I just sort of like gray area and then blaming other people because you're you're assuming one thing and you get angry about the thing you're assuming that they feel, but you don't really know for sure. That's crap. There ain't no time for that. Just be direct. Be direct, people. That, that applies to a lot of facets of life of life, I feel, Laura Bell. I think that's thank you for sharing that, really. Seriously. You're welcome. I know it's like at first you were like, ask. <laughs> no, 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 that was, that was that was great. Thank you. You like, I wanted you to give me some Buddha shit. <laughs> no, this is this is some real life shit, which is what people need to hear in this day and age. That's so true. That'll close out the ball game here on Break a Bat. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast 
And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.